Welcome to Practically Healthy by Dr. Melina. I'm your host, Dr. Melina Jampolis, and I'm a board-certified physician nutrition specialist. And I started this podcast to take the latest science and really help you figure out what you should do, can do, and eventually will do when it comes to food, fitness, and everything that's involved with helping you become the best version of yourself. My guest today on Practically Healthy is, I'm so excited to have him because we've collaborated a lot on the doctors. Dr. Ish Major is a board-certified psychiatrist, but has really kind of made a name for himself, shall we say, in the relationship field. And he was co-hosting the doctors for a while and has a marriage boot camp show, which I was looking at, really interested to hear more about that as well. But um, really is an expert on all things relationships and uh, I'm sure sex in some ways. We're going to be chatting about that. So this is going to be a spicy episode. So welcome to the show. So excited to have you. <laughs> hey, Doc, how you doing? I'm doing great. So, you know Good what? Good to see you, matter of fact. It's been I a while since you're on the doctors. Yeah. I know, I know. And we've done, I feel like, you know, it's always so rushed and I get to pop in mm-hmm. and pop out and, yep. you know. We don't get to really interact, so this is going to be like the real us communicating and and uh, and talking expert to expert. But you know, I think relationships. I mean, obviously, the podcast is called Practically Healthy, so I think it's 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 one of the first things is it's so important to understand the health aspects of relationships. So can you speak a little bit to that and kind of what you've seen over the years in your practice, uh, the good and the bad. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you see the good, it's it's really striking because, you know, as as doctors like you and I, we get very jaded because we see mostly when we see people when things are going wrong, right? You see folks when they're they're coming to you at their most unhealthy and they really need help. Folks are coming to me when they're at their most unhe- unhealthy mentally. And so when we see the thing that's actually healthy, it's like, oh, wow, yeah, <laughs> that looks, that's amazing, right? Look at that cool human. Um, and so when it's healthy and when it's working right, right, as humans, we are powered on, on two things, right? We are powered on love and we're powered on connection. And when we have those two things, we feel this thing called belonging, right? It feels like home, feels safe. You feel like you can take off your mask. You can take off your armor. You can tell this person anything and not worry about how they're going to take it or them hurting you with any of the truths you shared, right? That's when it's going right, when it's going wrong, you feel like your world is super tiny and you're paranoid and you don't want to be vulnerable and you're always on guard and you've always got your shield at the ready because you're trying to protect your world from the outside in and anything, anything, you know, any any thought, any word, any sentiment, you're just listening for it to attack you. And so you really got your shield up and you're just not, and you're so disconnected and not a part of the world. So that, that can happen when you're single and it can happen when you're married, right? Uh, the thing that the thing that surprises a lot of married couples when they come to me is they were like, I had no idea it was possible to feel so alone inside my marriage. Right. And so that's one of the that's one of the things I see. That's that's a big one. Well, I mean, I just hearing you talk about it and and the, 
you know, extent and the depth of, of, you know, from a mental health standpoint. But I think one of the things that's super interesting to me is that really does translate to our physical health as well. And, and I was looking through the research a little bit before talking to you today. And I mean, you know, from heart health to brain health to even immune function, I mean, being in a healthy relationship, whatever that is, whether it's a marriage or a long-term relationship, same sex, even I would say relationship with your family and friends, it really can be toxic mentally. So, I mean, what are some of the biggest, I mean, how do people... Because it, it's hard, right? As I was hearing you describe all those things, I'm like, you know, I'm in a happy marriage, but I'm not sure that I check off all the boxes yeah. that you said. And and yeah. so, I mean, one of the first things is, how do you how do you assess that? I mean, is I think I saw on your website, you talk about a relationship tune-up, but maybe first we have to like assess it. How, how do we How do we go through that and figure out if there's a problem, where there's a problem? Because- we, we do have a lot of, everybody has a lot of problems in their lives. And it's almost like, I don't want people to create more, but I mean, when do you know that something's toxic or, or really yeah. needs to be addressed? Is, how do you, how do you, when couples come to you, I guess they don't come to you when everything is perfect, but um, what would you say uh-huh. to somebody who, you know, is in, is in a happy relationship, right. but you know, is kind of just curious or maybe has some issues and they don't know whether their sense of feeling alone or disconnected is is an issue. Right, right, right. You know, it's really interesting uh, that you asked this question. So my sister's FBI, every six months, they undergo a course at Quantico called Debunking Your ABMs, Your Assumptions, Your Biases, and Your Mindsets, right? The things we assume about the world, the things we assume about the people in our world, right? That may or may not be true and, and, and how that, and how our biases of how we grew up and the people who taught us stuff or the people who didn't teach us stuff, how that informs how we interact with them. And then that, therefore our mindset, right? How, how are we gonna approach the day? How am I gonna approach my marriage today? How am I gonna approach my partner today? Uh, so the first thing you need to do as a married person is not make assumptions, right? Let's just let's not make assumptions. When I was dating way, 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 way back in the day, uh, my best friend, I was I was dating this girl, I was head over heels, I was head over heels. I'm I'm a cancer, I'm a hopeless romantic, so I'm always head over heels. <laughs> That's my thing. And I was like, man, you know, I just want to make her happy. I just don't know. I don't know what I could do. I just I was like, man, what 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 you know? What should I do? And he was like, listen. If you want to know what makes her happy, there's only one thing to do. I was like, what is that? You know, I'm like, I'm all ears. He was like, ask, ask, ask her. So if you're married, if you're in a long-term relationship, long-term committed relationship, or just want to strengthen what you have, don't assume that things are going well and don't assume that things are, are not going well, right? What you've got to do is you've got to sit down and you've got to ask, but you got to make the ask in the right way. And that's what gets a lot of trouble. You're not going to ask in the morning where there's a scramble in the kitchen and everybody's rushing out the door and I got my coffee and I got my bag and I got to run. And oh, by the way, no, wrong time, right? Don't ask after when you're rushing in at five o'clock or six o'clock in the afternoon, you have a long, stressful day and you haven't had time just to de-stress, right? That, that's the wrong time. So here's what you're going to do. I'm an old school car fan. I'm like a car super freak. Now, back in the day, we had this thing where the cars didn't run very well for very long without a tune-up. So you had to do a tune-up every 3,000 miles, right? Same thing with married couples. Every 3,000 minutes, you're going to do a check-in. You're going to do a tune-up. 
every two and a half days, no more than three days. I don't care how many kids you got in the house. I don't care what else is happening. No, do not let three days pass before you and your partner carve out 30 minutes window. No device. Kids are happily doing some homework or in a, doing a, or in a coloring book or they are in their, their pad or whatever they're doing, right? And it's just you and me. And I'm looking you in your eye and I'm asking you, hey, am I still making you happy? How are you doing? How are we doing, right? And you've got to have the guts to number one, ask the question, and then you've got to have the courage to receive that honest answer, right? Because you got to create that space. That's really, I mean, every three, I mean, I love, I love the idea. Every three days seems like a lot to me just because, well, I, I mean, it just, you know, I, I think. Think about, think about the, it, it's, it's, it's frequent, right? But every three days check-in seems like a lot, but you're married every day, right? And it doesn't have to be a big thing, right? It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a big production, right? It does like, it, it can be 10 minutes where you're just like, hey, Talk to me, right? We got, <laughs> I know things are crazy, but we got five minutes. How are we doing? And just go from there. Or before you have that conversation, pay each other the king and queen's courtesy of simply asking, hey, is this a good time to chat? I want to check in with you, right? I because a lot of times we don't know what else is going on with our partner, right? I think that that's a great piece of advice because there's been a lot of times where my husband brings up topics with me that it could not be a worse time, that I am <laughs> mentally in the worst possible place to have a conversation about anything. And, and it, it is destined to not go well because I'm not in a place to hear anything or to communicate effectively. So I think that's a... Right. Uh, and so role play for that moment, here's when that happens, because it happens because most of us don't ask that question. Hey, is this a good time? No. So when that question comes and it bombards you and you're like, <gasps> and you're trying to escape it, simply say this, hey, you know what? I appreciate that question. I'm not in a place where I can have this conversation with you the way you need me to right now. So why don't we set a time to have it then, right? That person was, now that partner feels seen, heard, understood. You didn't brush me off. It's just not a good time. I get that. And we've set a time. I'm a priority still in your life. Cool. We can have that conversation Saturday morning at 10.30 a.m., right? Whatever that works, but do that part, right? And that and that lets that solves a lot of problems where you can have that honest kind of conversation. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great advice. But then that brings another question up. Like, <laughs> I mean, what do you do when you don't like what you hear or when you, I mean, you know, different, I, and this is something that, you know, I think a lot of women my age of uh, 52 years old, yeah. thing, things have changed with sure. my <laughs> libido, for example, right. Uh, right. you know, but what do you do? And, and you, you brought up another interesting thing, you know, just the idea of men being more visual and, and wanting, you know, to be with the person that they married physically. I mean, obviously with understanding. So, so I mean, how do you navigate controversy with those questions and, and responses? I mean, I, that, that seems like that could open up a lot, uh, you know, a, a lot of wounds potentially. I mean, so it, it's tough. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the, one of the days 
I knew I was going to do psychiatry and not surgery was the first time we ever had to, to debreed a wound. And uh, <laughs> right. I was like, yeah, no, that's that's a lot. And I don't want to do that every day. But you've got to open that wound up in order for it to finally heal. Right. And so here's the same thing. Right. So no risk, no reward. Doc. So, yeah. Is it a risk? Open up Pandora's box and there's going to be years worth of unresolved conflict that's going to come jumping up. Maybe, maybe. Or or you're also going to have the risk of finally resolving some of those things simply by talking about it. See, uh, one of the biggest assumptions. One of the biggest problems married people have is thinking they should have any. And you just you just do. <laughs> right. Because we're human and we're perfectly imperfect and we're never going to be perfect. We're never going to get our own stuff right. And we're certainly never going to get the marriage stuff right. And so you can't be afraid to have those conversations because what what you don't need always is an answer. Right. But you just need to have the courage to go first and have the conversation. And that's the thing. So when we're talking about, you know, being of a certain age and you've been together for years and things are changing and the sex drive is going down and right. And we don't, I, when I look in the mirror, I'm like, who is that? <laughs> that don't look like me. Right. And so all of these things, and yes, men are visual, uh, but men don't stray and men don't cheat because they don't like what they're looking at. Men cheat because they don't have any intimacy. Right. And when I'm talking intimacy, I'm not talking sex. Right. I'm not talking sex drive. I'm not talking two or three times a week. I'm not talking swinging from the chandeliers. I'm not talking any of that. Right. Guys, we don't need that. What we do need is when we walk in the door, grab my shoulder, say, hey, glad to have you home. How was your day? Right. That's intimacy for a man. You've got to touch him to get him to tune in. So when you're having a conversation, you just right, just do this, just going about your, your, your daily household stuff. Right. Touch that man somewhere. Grab his hand and tell him something. Put your hand on his knee. Let him know that you are still into him, right? You still desire him and you see his presence, right? When 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 you grab my hand and you tell me something, I'm like, oh, all right, what is this? What are we doing? All right, I'm tuned in. I'm plugged in, right? You're, you're literally making the connection with me. And now we can have some deeper conversations, right? I can be vulnerable. I can tell you stuff. You can, you know, you can tell me stuff and that intimacy, as we get older and the connections change and they get deeper, what we're looking for is the intimacy. Most folks come to me and they, oh, we got a sex, a sex life and they say, well, you don't have a sex problem, you got an intimacy problem, right? Okay, and now let's peel the layer back further. It's not actually an intimacy problem, you have a vulnerability problem because you guys stop being vulnerable to each other, right? 20 years in, they've heard all the funny stories. They know all the wacky friends, right? We know everything we wanna know about the in-laws. We, we don't, right? And we assume the other person doesn't wanna hear it anymore. And we don't wanna bring up the old stuff because I don't wanna be blamed for it again because I remember the last time we talked about it and it just went left, and, right? And so we don't wanna be vulnerable, but somebody's gotta have the courage to go first and just say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm still here. I'm perfectly imperfect. I may be more imperfect today than I ever was, but I'm, but I'm still here for you and I'm still trying to make you happy. So I wonder what is it? I wonder, is there something I can do today to help, to help make that happen? And that's really, that's, and that's it. But you got, somebody's got to go first. No, I think, it, I think everything that you're saying really resonates with me. And I think it, it, it makes so much sense. And the other thing about, you know, the, the more frequent check-ins just that popped into my head is that 
then it doesn't allow resentment to build up as much. So so if you're addressing things more in real time versus uh, after six months, you know, six months ago, I, what, I I did what? Like, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. But I, I love all of these. And imagine, and from your perspective, imagine what that does to your hormone levels, right? That cortisol is percolating, all these, right? All of these things are, right? And it just, and it affects your body in very, very curious ways. Right. No, it's super stressful. Conflict is super stressful. And, and, but, but I think also the idea that, um, you know, things can be wrong with a marriage without a marriage being broken. So I think, uh, I think that's really important and the idea of touch too. So, but I'm curious because I mean, you've done obviously, you know, the TV show Marriage Boot Camp was probably a more dramatic representation, but, um, (laughs) yeah, just, just, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe just a little, little different from the norm that we all face. But, you know, I'm curious though, because, you know, I think you've talked about this, you know, the rise in, in divorce during COVID, but like at what point, does it become at what point do you start thinking about maybe a couple isn't going to work because you're right we do change we we grow especially people who've been married younger like i got married later so i feel like i'm much more self actualized than if i had gotten married in my 20s i'm a totally different person than i sure. wasn't i mean i'm a little bit the same but a lot different i mean having kids change jobs change geography changes deaths births everything um and I, I, I think, and and people really do change. So, I mean, at what point are there, you know, I feel like our generation, I mean, different generations stayed together too long, didn't stay together long enough. Like, is there any rhyme or reason to this? And how do you navigate that with, you know, clients, not maybe not the TV clients, but real life clients? <laughs> yeah. So, so is the question, how do you know when it's time to walk away? Yeah, I think that's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's interesting. Uh, So studies show that when people get divorced, if you ask both sides, they will both tell you that their marriage was over three years before the actual divorce, right? Uh, It's a long time in the making because there's planning that has to happen around the children, around the family, and around separating things in your mind, right? Where where, where am I going to go for Christmas next year? Who is going to get the kids for this holiday, right? Who, who gets to keep the gym membership, right? All these things. And also now their financial responsibilities and financial burdens too, right? There's a lot of folks where so the marriage rate still, the divorce rate is still 50%, but out of those 50%, that doesn't mean 50% of the folks in this country are happily married. That means mm-hmm. they're there, right? A good 25% of those are just kind of there and feeling kind of stuck, whether it's emotionally, financially, what responsible for things that they can't control. And so I think the key is just really checking in with with that inner self. And if you are waking up and your partner is is helping you feel hurt more than they're helping you feel happy more days than not during the week, then that's a sign, right? Then that's a, as my sister in the FBI would say, that's an indicator, right? If you have asked very clearly and repeatedly for the things you need and want to help you feel happy, not to make you happy because they can't fix anything for you. You're not broken. They can't make you feel anything, but to help you feel more secure and more connected to this relationship. You've asked repeatedly and they've repeatedly fallen short of the mark. Well, that's an indicator, 
right? That's an, that's an indicator, right? And if, you know, here's a very practical indicator, right? If you're making up more than two excuses, why not to go immediately home after work? That's an indicator, right? That means there's something happening in that home that you don't want to be a part of, right? And you're subconsciously making up reasons, very valid reasons. Well, I had to go here and I had to run this errand, and now I'm busy and I'm now too busy to talk and let's just wolf down this food and let's watch TV show and then we're going to hit the, right? Those are indicators, right? What are those, what are those things you're using to avoid? I call them our numbing medications, right? We're very, here's a fact, doc, that astounds me. Americans make up less than 5% of the world's population, but we consume more than 70% of the illicit drugs in the world, right? We are very good at numbing ourselves up here. And so some of those numbing vehicles are very positive, right? A lot of folks will hit the gym for hours. We'll go running. We'll do 10 miles, <laughs> right? Some of us will do video games and we'll just totally, right, put on a movie or just let the, you know, let the cable TV wash over. What, what are those things you do to literally check out and unplug for your life from hours at a time. So some of those things can be can be very positive, but then some of those things can be very negative. We're switching to drugs and alcohol and, and things of that nature. And so you've just got to be you've got to be mindful of your numbing medications, and then really have an honest conversation with yourself about what is it was it I'm trying not to feel today and why. Right? We've all got things we're pretending not to know about ourselves, but that never needs to happen in a marriage because you can you can ask those questions. Yeah, I think everything that you bring up is is really important and and makes a lot of sense and and it you can see how it ties so much into health. I just I think sometimes it gets challenging to to tease out these different things, you know, because somebody may not be staying home more because of an issue with the kids where you know they may not be wanting to come home or you know or numbing because of work stress which I I have to admit I'm guilty of that. I really oh. really am oh. with with alcohol um oh. with wine sometimes tequila but mainly wine. Um but it's uh, it's Azul, please. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Okay, good. I'm I'm glad you I'm glad you're not totally judging me on that. But but um so I mean but so you know I it's I, hard. I it's hard. Uh, yeah, I do think that I mean I think communicating I, I would I would add to, you know, not just what you need to support your happiness, but also, I mean, for me, it's been really important for me to open up to my husband about what really hurts me that he may not realize. Because as you probably know, I'm a pretty strong person and I don't express vulnerability very easily right. or pain right. and my default is I'm an Aries so I'm a little like he- I'm a little bit of a ram yeah. and so yeah. instead of you know b- showing sadness sometimes when I'm hurt I yeah. show anger or or aggression and and right. so I think it's um but being able to open up about you know the things and that's that's hard sometimes I think to to say you know and, and even for somebody to be that self-aware, I think there's one of the things that I, I, I saw, you know, you writing about is that, you know, you really have to work on yourself uh, be, as much as working on a relationship to be successful. So, I mean, yeah. but I, I mean, how many people really, again, it, it comes down to time. And so what are some practical ways that, 
people can do that. I mean, you're a psychiatrist, so you work with people, not just with relationships, but with everything. But, you know, what are some practical ways that someone can can just be more in tune with who they are and 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 then you know that drives a little bit how they interact with the world with any relationship even friendships i mean i think there's you know the marriage is or or a couple's you know is just one type of relationship correct right so there are friend relationships there are work relationships there's you know familiar relationships brother sister bonds all of those things i think one of the things that stresses us out um I don't know about you, but me personally. So I'm a cancer, right? Love to cry. I cried the Avengers, Superman, Batman. It doesn't matter. I'm crying. I just, I'm all into it, right? But one of the things I struggled with mightily then and now uh, is setting boundaries and saying no, right? So, and because of that, because of my codependent people-pleasing tendencies, right? I'm the, I was the captain of the codependency club, right? Because of that, I would say yes to all these things I just didn't want to do. And my time would get stretched so thin here and I would show up aggravated over here and then I would blow up over there and I wouldn't have good, and I wouldn't have time for my significant other over here. And so it would all just start falling apart. And so what I had to do, here's a very practical thing that we can do that you will be surprised how we'll open your eyes to your own life. Make a list tonight, put it in your phone, put it on a t- however you want to make it. And at the top of that list, you're going to write all the places I said yes, when I really meant no. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yes. And you're going to run that list for the day. And halfway through that list, you're going to feel like just a little bit <laughs> because it's going to make you sick when you think about it. And that's one of the things, right? It's never the big Thing. Like you said, it's like it feels like so much. No, it's never the so much thing. It's the little tea tiny things that add up and make us feel like we're eating this big elephant. But if you can break it down and you can reclaim some of your time and some of your personal integrity by saying, hey, you know what? Actually, that doesn't work for me. And I'm going to say no to that. And there was a complete sentence. You don't need to explain anything else. No, period. That's a complete thought does not require explanation. Make that list. Places where I said yes, where I really meant to say no, right? And traditionally, women have struggled more with this than men, right? Because there's so many folks who we're trying to, right? We've got to please the kids. We've got to please the partner. we got to, right? We've got to please our friends. we got to, right? we got to keep up with friends. all this stuff. That one little thing will do so much, so much for you. A second thing you can do is figure out in your life, and this is a, a personal conversation, where you feel the most shame, Right? Do I feel ashamed when I look in the mirror and I see lines? When I do I feel ashamed where I see, you know, the law of gravity taking hold? Right? Do I feel ashamed when my kids are acting up in the store and I can't get them to, to be quiet? Do I feel ashamed when my husband doesn't return a text after two hours? Right? Uh, right well, where are some of those things? And then be very, very intentional about naming your shame defense. Right? For me. The thing that I grew up poor, black in South Carolina, right? The first 15 years of my life, every day there was something, some reminder of why I wasn't good enough or why I wasn't enough to have this big, this big life, right? So figure out your shame defense. My, for me, my shame defense was perfection. I'm going to show up and be the smartest 
and be the prettiest and be the most put together person. So whenever any of those bad things happen, I don't have to feel it at all because I am sitting over here in my made up perfect little world. <laughs> right. Right. And so what do you get angry? Is that your shame defense? Right. Do you get dismissive? Is that your shame defense? Right. Do you try to outwork the shame defense? Well, if I just work an extra 20 hours this week, then surely that means I'm a good person. I don't have to feel shame about this. Right. Do, do you do you helicopter your kids? Is that your shame defense? So figure that part out. The, our personalities, 90% of our personalities are based on how we defend against the hurt, right? And so figure that part out and then you can really connect with that inner person. But it all goes back to what are those things that help us feel ashamed and how do we defend against it? Because that's how we show up in our relationships with everybody. Yeah, that's, I mean, that I never, I never thought of it from that approach, you know, but it, 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 it makes a, a ton of sense. And I think it, 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 the more, the more kind of self-actualized you are as a person, mm-hmm. every relationship is going to be better. And, uh, and also saying no, I think that's, that's right. important. And, and I mean, think I know, things you said yes to today when you were like, I don't, I really, I don't want to do it. I don't, but yeah. I feel obligated and I'm a nice person and I don't want them to right. feel like I'm a jerk. So I'm going to, so I'll figure it out and I will take more as doctors that is what we do. Right. We say yes to everything and everybody because we want to help people. That's true. But I, and I also think it, it it's an interesting way of kind of um kind of self-selecting relationships, like how people respond to that. How people respond to you saying no kind of tells you about them and and the strength of your relationship because, you know, I have people who I feel super comfortable saying no to that. I know that they still care about me and they're not going to be, you know, upset with me. Um, you know, so I, I think that's a really important kind of point for right. people. But and it really is. It's it's amazing how few people really know themselves well. So then how can you possibly navigate any sort of relationship when you have really little insight. So, so let's switch gears a little bit. Cause I, uh, per your, per your request or suggested, I, I, uh, you know, put it out the dating question since I'm married, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to ask some of my single yeah. mom friends and yeah. that being a key, because, um, I think more of my listeners have been married or have children. So, yeah. I mean, this is, you know, I mean, the married with kids thing is is a really tough one, and even just dating as an adult. So, yeah. I mean, how are uh, one of this is this is a good one, you know? Knowing that people forty plus, this is about dating, you know, as we're older with kids. Yeah. Knowing that people forty plus come with more baggage as they have more life experience, you know, what are the midlife red flags? I mean, what? What should people, and this is a, you know, a, a single woman friend of mine who has a, a wonderful daughter. She's a high powered executive. Um, but that's a really good question. I mean, when you, I mean, when you're first navigating somebody and you maybe don't have the open communication, like what should us ladies who are, you know, more advanced and also maybe more self-actualized, like that's yes. tough, right? Both things, right? Two things can be true. You can be a woman of a certain age and certainly more self-actualized. So the first thing we're going to do, Doc, is we are going to reshape your narrative, right? Because you are not coming with more baggage, with more baggage, right? I am coming with a much more rich life experience that I'm bringing to this table, right? 
I have children or I have a child. I have been married, right? I have achieved things in my life and I have ticked off a lot of those gold boxes. So I am coming to you with a much more rich and vibrant life experiences. That's not baggage. That's my life, right? So we're going to flip that and we're going to delete that word from the dating vocabulary, period, end of story, right? It's a richness I'm bringing to you. And I'm wondering, sir, if your palate is sensitive enough to appreciate the richness that I'm bringing you today. You see, right? A little shift because now I'm not asking you. So now I'm not showing up in this room asking for your acceptance, right? Now I'm showing up in this room with a whole different purpose. I am simply allowing you to see who I am. This is who I am and this is what I'm bringing to the table. Whether you accept it or not, I accept it and I actually love it, right? And I'm just looking for the person who's gonna love it as much as me. Maybe that's you, maybe it's not. But now you approach that first date with a whole new mindset, right? If I show up with a room to accept, for you to accept me, now there's some things I'm not gonna say. Maybe I'm not gonna talk about my political views. Maybe I'm not gonna talk about what I eat and what I don't eat. Maybe I'm not gonna talk about my kids who I'm having trouble, who I'm struggling with right now because I want you to really like me and I don't wanna say anything that's gonna scare you off, right? Because I'm in this room to be accepted. But if I'm in this room just for you to see it, hey baby, here's what it is. You see, you, see, you, check, you see it, you see all of it, you check, right? Right now, now that's empowering, right? Now, now you're taking ownership of your narrative and who you are and your ability to choose who's going to be a part of your life and sharing that richness. So that's the first thing. And the second thing I would say is, ladies, I want you to understand this and take it in on a cellular level. There is nothing, absolutely nothing you can say to your potential partner on a first date that's going to scare them away. Nothing. Nothing at all. There's nothing you can say that's going to scare them away. There's nothing you're going to ask them that's going to scare them away. Because the guy who's there for you, who's truly there for you, he wants to hear all of it. Because he's he's as sick and tired of the games as you are, right? He's as hungry for the connection as you are. And if you show up and you pitch him softball after softball, then he's going to sit there like, all right, I thought she kind of liked me, but she's not even asking me tough stuff or right. As a man, I want to prove to you I'm the guy. Like what? Give it like what? Yeah, I so I I love it though. I I think that's I mean, it's so I love the kind of reframing that you're talking about because it's it's reframing, but I mean, and and I think from just from what you've the advice that you've given for somebody in a relationship, I think the more open you can be, the more communicative because then and 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 the red flag, I mean, it, it, it's it's not that there's anything wrong with the person. It's just that it may not be right for you. Uh, so, for you. I was right? to a comedian the other day and he was uh, and it's uh, so one of the big things, one of the one of the topics that women don't want to approach on the first date is, you know, commitment, marriage. Yeah, I want to I want a boyfriend. I want to be I want to be married. Right. And so or I want to have more kids. Right. And I have one or two. I'm, I'm going to have more. And so this comedian was saying he's like he was like, guys, you know, uh, showing up on the first date and telling a woman that you don't want to have, you know, have kids is kind of like showing up for a job interview and say, hey, you know what? I'll take the job. I don't really do computers. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's right. like, that's, that's kind of how we're going to get the thing done. So so just show up and be honest. Right. You just it's okay to say what you want, right? And change change those expectations with requirements, right? 
that was something that you wrote on your website that was so powerful is i mean and i'll tell you from my standpoint like i'm a great example of this because i was you know i was 39 when i met my husband and on our second date second date Uh I remember so clearly, I'm like, so I got to be honest with you. I'm 39 years old. Having kids is a huge priority for me. If you don't see that for you in the next year or two, this just isn't going to work. And, and I mean, and I, did he run away? Did he run away? No, of course. Well, you know, he didn't. And he was like, he, he, he saw enough potential in me to, it, it wasn't on his plan for the next two years. That's for sure. But it wasn't not because he would. And so I think that, you know, the idea of communication. So, but, and then reframing it and just, I guess, being as honest and, and also having as much insight into yourself and what those requirements versus expectations are. I mean, so then. That's a requirement. That's not an expectation. I don't expect you to understand my requirement is that you be on board with this. And if that's and if that's not a part of who you are, then now I'm now required to tell you you're not my person. You're fantastic. You're great. Right. Which is just not my person. Now how and how think about how empowering, right? Your whole body language changed as you were telling me that story because it was such an empowering moment, right? That we we overlook the small things. And one of the small things we overlook every day is just personal integrity. Hey, standing up for the thing I for the thing I believe in and for the thing I know I want. This is the thing I know my heart wants, and I'm not going to let my head talk me out of it because I know that, that there's not a lot of eligible bachelors out there, and I know that all the good guys are taken, and I know that so, you know so many. I, so, so your head will talk you out of, will talk you very easily into reasons to settle, right? Right. But your heart always feels like it's missing out on something it really deserves, and that's when you stick to that personal integrity. I got to tell you. This is where I am right now. I'm 39 and I'm looking for a commitment and I'm looking for kids. And that's a top priority for me. If that is not your cup of tea, then, then I'm then I'm not your woman. I'm not. Right. And and you've got to and now you've got to have the courage to walk away knowing that your next person is out there. Right. Because now you're showing up and the universe can say, oh, there she is. We see exactly what she wants. Let's go ahead and send it. Yeah, no, I love that. And we, I have about 50 more questions, but we're almost out of time. But I mean, I think that, you know, um, the, the, well, there, yeah, there's so many. I think we're just going to have to do another podcast. But I mean, one, one of the interesting ones, yeah, yeah. we'll just, we'll just reschedule another one. But, you know, I, I know what you're going to say to this, but it's really interesting. You know, long term relationships, long term relationships seem to become like more like managing small businesses, especially after you have kids. What can people do to avoid turning relationships into just something that's transactional day to day uh, and it becomes more like a partnership than a marriage? And and I mean, so I think what you said earlier, the communication and checking in every few days and, and making the time. But are there any other like kind of quick tips before we uh, schedule our next podcast together? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so I, I love I love this question because we're talking about the connection and we're worried about it fading. So two things can be true. Marriage is a business. And most of what you do is managing that business with your partner well, right? Dividing up responsibilities, dividing up times, right? Blocking off that time. And we're going to manage the, we're going to do the business of marriage. And it does get to feel very transactional. Uh, but the other thing you have to do is remember that the person who you married they're still in there, right? That, right? That cool dude's still in there, right? 
that right that that bubbly that, that bubbly young woman she's she's still there and so you also have to remember to date and you have to remember to do those things that you were doing when you were dating remember how polite and kind and courteous you were when you were dating you never assumed anything right so tip number one let the small words fill up the big spaces thank you yes no please i love you period end of story you Fill your days with a lot of those, just a lot of those, right? And remember how curious you were when you were dating. You couldn't wait to ask the next question because you want to know everything there was to know about this person. Well, what do you, what, what, tell me about your mom. How'd you grow up? Oh my God, that's crazy. You did what now? Right. That There's still things you need to know about your partner after five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years. There are, they are still a whole separate human and you have yet to hear all their stories and you don't know all their secrets, but we assume we know them because we've been together for so long and, and we assume they know all of ours. Well, how, right? Well, how couldn't you, you, how could you possibly not know that about me? Well, we gotta ask, right? Because things change every seven years, mentally, we're a whole new person, whole new person. The things you were into at 22, you ain't into no more. The things that turn you on at 25 may disgust you now, right? The, the foods you ate, the, th the types of physical activities you did, the places you went, the people you hung out with. And so what happens is we don't want to share the updates and the new download with our partner because we're afraid that if they know we change, then maybe that'll change the way they feel about us. And I don't want that, right? Because it's hard enough staying connected. So I don't want to interject anything else that may even further sever the connection. And so we, we become afraid to update, but you got to update them. Hey, let me tell you something. Listen, you know what? The thing, the thing you used to do in bed that was like really cool, still super cool. And <laughs> now let's try this, right? <laughs> in every dynamic, somebody's got to have the guts to go first, right? Yeah. Because if you're feeling the pull, you're not feeling it for no reason. They're feeling the pull too. And somebody's, <laughs> somebody's got to have the guts to go first. Every relationship needs a leader. And sometimes that a lot of times that falls into the more feminine part of that dynamic. And so you just got to have the courage and the guts to go there because there are things about your person right now that you need to know that you don't know because you're just ask, not asking and they're afraid to tell you. So create that safe space and just ask, hey, is this still is this still working for you? When I put on this thing and, and do that, does that still work for you? Or, you know, <laughs> right? And you got and you gotta have the courage to get to receive that information, right? And make it a safe space for them. And so when you're doing it with the guy, right? Touch a part of their body, hold their hand, make some direct eye contact, and that says, hey, and then here's the rule, ladies in particular, when you're asking your guys something, you're asking that more masculine part of your dynamic something, a hard question where you really want to get that answer, ask the question, and then go radio silent for 18 seconds. 18. That's a long time. That is a long time. Because uh, as guys, what we know is, if we just stay quiet for the next five seconds, you're going to fill the space with what you think the answer is. And we're going to be able to get out of this emotionally hard conversation with as little injury as possible. So ladies, ask the question, silent for 18 seconds. And I promise you, he's going to tell you something that you've never heard before. That is such 
a great point. And as a chatterbox, I am so guilty of that. I think I'm going to use that in all my relationships in life. You just changed my life in one like single conversation. Uh, but this is, this is, uh, no, that is so it's powerful. It's, po it's powerful. Doc. You, you'd be yeah. amazed the truth that people share when they know you're genuinely ready to listen. And yeah. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. That's amazing. So, and I would, I would add to that though, in terms of, of keeping a relationship strong, at least from what I've read is, is doing new things, trying new things so that you're building experiences and memories. And, you know, they say that, you know, even something that's, that, you know, releases endorphins together, yep. not, that's not sexual, strengthens it. the, you know, fabric 100%. of a relationship. So. 100%. Got to, got to do things, got to do things, right? Because we're all on our personal journey, right? And that's a deeply personal thing to me coming from where I was and where I think I need to be and how I want to show up in the world. But the thing that we're sharing together with our partner, that's an adventure, right? You got to be spicy. You got to be juicy. Let's do some, right? Let's do some old stuff, Right. That we know, right? Some old favorites, oldies but goodies. And then let's layer some new experiences on top of that. So we have some new stuff to talk about. And then from there, we can have some new things to dream about for yeah. next year or the year after that. So yeah, huge, huge part of it. I love it. I love it. All right. One last question, because I promised my friend that I would ask this, who's uh, single, divorced, uh, several kids. Sex on the third date, is that still a thing? Do we have to wait? Is there like anything to that or just go for it? So listen, I, I, I love and hate this question so much at the same time because so many relationship experts have a 90 day rule, a third date rule, a, a t right? They, they put it, you have to mark it off on your calendar. Here's, nobody gets to tell you when it's okay to have sex, <laughs> okay? It's just, and again, just like there's nothing you can say too soon, there's nothing you can do too soon. You're here together with them, right? They're feeling the same things that you're feeling, right? Um, relationships have to progress just like children grow. There are milestones, right? How old do you have to be when you can roll over, when you can push up, when you can, right? When you can push off two feet, when you can walk, when you can cruise, when you can pinch a French fry, when you can say three words. Same thing with relationships, there are milestones. The first time you have sex is a milestone. If that doesn't happen when the both of you think it should, then now you're already off to a misconnection because he's like, okay, wow, I, I thought we had a real cool connection here. I get why you'd want to wait. I get that, but it kind of feels like I'm being a little manipulated here. And like, right. you're just kind of fitting me into a plan. And, and I don't like that because that's not authentic and it's not genuine, right? Um, so again, there's nothing you're going to do too soon with your person that's going to scare them away. Some of the coolest couples I've ever had and ever had the opportunity to meet were together for 30 years, 40 years. I'll never forget. There was a 60 year old couple and they were, they were happened to be in the building. I was doing a workshop and they were just walking by in the building for some wholly, totally unrelated reason. And they poked their head in and they were like, Hey, you were talking about relationship stuff. I was like, they were like, yeah, yeah. Sounded, sounded very interesting. You know, we just thought we'd come in and say, Hey, you know, we've been together for, you know, the last 40 years and oh my God. And I was like, well, tell me about your first date. And he looks at her and then he looks at me and he was like, well, you know, this is back in the time when we would go like a court and, and, you know, and go sit in the front parlor and meet the dad and stuff. He was like, but, 
but we didn't do that, right? We, <laughs> we, <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? We went and did our own thing. And he says, and he looks at her for permission. And he says, and we had sex on the first date back then, 40 years ago. And wow. she blushes as if she were 16 years old. And it's just, right? Because it's got to do be the thing that feels right for you. Yeah. So if sex on the first date feels right, and you've got all the information you need to make that decision, right? Right. Health-wise, background-wise, then, then go for it. If sex on the third date feels right, go for it. Consequently, also, if it doesn't feel right, then that's an indicator, right? right. If you've got some question in your mind, you've got some doubt, mm, there's nothing wrong with pressing pause on that and gathering and doing some more information gathering. Right. Well, and let's make sure it all matches up. Here's how you should know. Here's how you know. Here's how you, here's how I know if a guy's BSing you or not. It's not about the words. This is a liar. We're going to tell you a whole bunch of stuff. We're going to tell you how pretty we are, how you're the only one, how we're emotionally available and blah, blah, blah. Right. We're going to right? litigate the heck out of this case to, right, to, to get the verdict we want, which is to get to see you naked. And we're going to do that. Action. Right. Is what he's telling you matching up with what you're seeing from him. He said he was super into me and I texted him at 8 a.m. and I didn't get a text back until 1130. That is not a guy who's super into you, right? He said he was super into me. Go ahead. Unless he's a neurosurgeon and in the middle of a procedure. I mean, there are some exceptions. To the Understandable, <laughs> right? But that's the information you're going to need to gather, right? right. For sure, right? If, if he's in the middle of that thing, if he's a Navy SEAL on a mission, right? He's not, you're going to hear this. He's going to days before he can text you back understandable right but within the framework you're doing right if he says hey i'm going to be here at eight to pick you up and we're going to go do our thing if that guy's into you he's going to be there at 7:55. yeah <laughs> no later right but if he shows up at 8 45 that's an indicator yeah right? that's an indicator. of any relationship by the uh, way for me any, that's like any relationship any. that is a big uh right. i think that's that's Great information. All right. I we're gonna have to I'm gonna have to have you back because there's like five hundred my, my phone yeah. is blowing up. I knew it would be fun. <laughs> You're always great energy and it's really a pleasure. And I think I love I love your practical tips. I mean, <laughs> there's so much simplicity, but it, it just resonated so much. So I wanna thank you so much. Thank and you, um you. I can't wait to have you back. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, look, I grew up I I grew up in a very simple, small town in the country, 500 folks, and half of those were animals. So we just, we kept things very, very simple. <laughs> I love and it. I, and love I still it. live by that. <laughs> it's great. It works for me. Remember, Doc, 18 seconds. It is a life-changing thing. You'd be amazed what people tell you in those 18 seconds. Yeah, no, you, you seriously, I'm going to report back to you. Next time we talk, <laughs> I'm going to keep in the note section of my phone, like all the things that changed because oh, yes. of that 18-second rule. Oh, yeah, um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's right. phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Thank you so much. Take care. I'll speak Thank to you, you soon. Thank you. Good to see you. I really hope that you found the information in this podcast helpful. I know I did, and I welcome your feedback because I'm doing this for you. So if there's topics that you want to learn about, something that you want to learn more about, if there's something that you want to explain further that I've talked about, please let me know. Comment on my Instagram page, send me an email, melina at drmelina.com, and definitely hit that subscribe button because I'm going to have great new content every single week, and I don't want you to miss an episode. 
That's it for now. Stay practically healthy.